It's my favorite kind of show today, where I get to tell you about some really unique and new ideas that are floating through intelligentsia. Plus, I'll probably talk about Colin Kaepernick and some other fun stuff on today's Corey Act show. This is the best thing, the best thing that could be Prep sheet is a veritable cornucopia of various and sundry topics. Yes, I meant to be that verbose there in the uh, in, in the start here because there is a lot of very very like the the amount of variety coming at you over the next fifty minutes is truly incredible. So thanks for being here on the Corey Truax Show. Here's a quick little preview, and then we'll get started. I listen to a debate because I'm a fun person, and one of the things I do in my free time is listen to professional debaters. And I listen to four very intelligent people debate this new idea. Uh, the, the idea is somewhat old, but it's only coming into modern or into the mainstream here recently, called the universal basic income. If you haven't heard of it, or even if you have, I think you'll be very intrigued by what I learned. And then I really want to call out to you for your feedback on it, because I don't know what I think yet, and I need your help deciding. Uh, I also got a, a text from a friend with a, 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 a meme with some political purposes, so I want to respond to it. And then there's a lot of interesting stuff going or, going on right now with Facebook, Amazon, Google, and one more company I can't think of off the top of my head, but a really interesting story out of Forbes and potential congressional movement happening in the tech world, so I want to get to that. And a really interesting article from the New York Times regarding how the current president criticizes the previous president. I actually have a lot more stuff on the prep sheet, including this stupid controversy, a couple dumb controversies. The one around Colin Kaepernick and these Betsy Ross flag shoes and the controversy that was around the remaking of The Little Mermaid and the aerial thing. So if we have time... I'll get to that. Plus, at the end of the show, we have the sports segment back for this week. So we're going to get to all of that in just a moment. But first, my name is Corey Truax. I'm the host of the Corey Truax Show, but also the host of South Carolina Connections. That is a podcast of the Palmetto Family Council, and you can find that wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you're listening live on WLFJ 92.9 FM, you can find that show on demand at palmettofamily.org. Also, and again, anywhere you're listening to this podcast or you find the Corey Truax Show, you can find South Carolina Connections. I'm also the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church. Beachwood Church is in Greenville, South Carolina. We meet on 123 in Greenville on 10 at 1030 on Sunday mornings. And you, yes, you, you're invited. Now, this is an interesting idea I want to introduce to you. And I need your feedback because I can't decide what I think. And that is rare for me. I don't know if you've listened to the show long. There's hundreds of you, actually a little bit almost 2,000 of you that listen really, really regularly. And you might have noticed, I tend to form opinions rather quickly. And then I I hold those opinions really strongly, and I believe I'm right, and here's all the reasons why. Like, that is my personality. That's, That's the way I, that's the way I am. And it's very rare that I run into an idea where I go, I'm confused. I don't know. I don't know what I think. So let me introduce you to the idea of universal basic income. I started hearing about this a couple years ago with the folks out of Silicon Valley that I follow. Guys like Elon Musk, who runs uh, the electric car company that's escaping my name right now. He also does SpaceX, so that super cool thing where we had 
Uh, if you watch that, I mean, I've watched it many times because it blows my mind. We landed some kind of space instrument on a moving asteroid. Well, that wasn't NASA. That was Elon Musk. And then there was guys out of Google, some of the futurists there, that started talking through this idea of universal basic income. Because one of the themes out in Silicon Valley, I think will make some of you really nervous, You know, for political purposes, we like to try to talk about getting the unemployment number as low as possible. We want unemployment to be 3% and 4%. And the people in Silicon Valley, because they are technocratic and they are techno-optimists, one of the themes in Silicon Valley out in California amongst the, the tech types is they want to see an unemployment rate of 100%. That their goal would be a Star Trek-level world where no one has to work, there are no jobs, that we have come up with such technology that the technology serves us, and you're free to pursue whatever it is you want to pursue for fun, and no one ever has to work again because we've created so much wealth and prosperity through the technology. And so if, if you haven't heard that, that's a theme in Silicon Valley. We want 100% unemployment because the technology has taken care of everything. But then you run into this problem. All right, so the technology has taken care of everything, and you're eliminating jobs, you're eliminating work itself, the idea of employment, these are there are two problems that come up with that. One is income. Well, how do we deal with the fact that work is how people have earned a living for all of Western civilization? That that's how we feed ourselves and house ourselves is that we work, we trade our time, we trade our labor, our intellect for money so that we can support ourselves. So one, how are people going to survive in a world where the technocrats have come up with all the all the automation and all the robots and all the drones to, and all the autonomous cars to do the work we were all doing. And then the second was a more moral question. A great deal of the human spirit finds its worth in its work. The things that we produce bring us meaning. At some level, that, that can be unhealthy, especially in an American atmosphere where work too often becomes an idol and our, our status in our jobs that we want to be able to say I'm an engineer I'm a doctor here's what I do and feel pride around it it, it might it might become it goes too far there but there is also this biblical idea that work is inextricably linked to the human condition we we see God in perfection in Adam and Eve before there was ever sin in the world saying I'm going to put you in the garden to work it, that there was going to be effort, that there was going to be cultivation even in God's perfect world for humans. And so if you're going to create this world technocratically where there's no need for anyone to ever work, that we can just provide food and shelter for everybody well, what do we do for income and what do we do for meaning? Now the philosophers and the moral thinkers are worried about that second question more. But the technocrats, they came up with, well, let's just worry about the income thing. And then so they came up, came up with this idea of universal basic income. That literally everybody in the country should start getting a government benefit. Literally everybody. So the poorest person on the street all the way to Bill Gates would get auto-deposited into an account every month, some amount of money that can at least bring subsistence. So no one ever has to be in total poverty and be total and be totally destroyed. Part of this came out of the idea that there was going to be disruption. 
that when we get to autonomous driving and it's a reality, well, what's going to happen is immediately millions of people are going to lose jobs because the most common job in the United States of America is driver. And so when you get to a spot where you don't need as many or any of those drivers, the idea is, well, if we have a universal basic income already in place, well, the folks that were making $45,000, $50,000 a year driving whatever they were driving, well, at least they're going to be able to fall back on some universal basic income to at least pay the mortgage and eat. So this was the idea being floated around and why they came up with it. Now, I heard a debate. It was an hour long. It was from uh, a podcast that I recommend. I, I don't recommend every episode. Some of them are, would be boring to you, but... If you want to follow Intelligence Squared, Intelligence Squared, if you want to follow them wherever you follow me, they put out very formal Oxford-style debates among really qualified people about issues. And they recently debated, debated the universal basic income. And they got specific, no longer made it ethereal and abstract, but what if we actually did this as a policy? Here's a specific proposal, and let's debate it. And the proposal was this. Let's give every American $1,000 a month. So it's $12,000 a year. So the, the, the couple, uh, the, the, the couple whose uh, husband goes to work, wife goes to work, they both earn 40 grand. Their household income is 80 grand. Well, now their household income is 92 grand because they're going to get a grand a month from the government. That those that, that household that has one person working and making just 30 grand and now that household is going to be a 42 grand income. Now immediately I opposed it. I thought that's a terrible idea. We can never afford it. You're just putting the, you're just bankrupting the country even further. And I started to hear the case. In the case that these these are actually liberals making the case. It was Andy Stern from the uh, what's that called? The, the the big the biggest union in the country. Uh, SCICU, I think yeah, that's what they're called. SCICU. And the, the idea was keep Social Security the way it is, but every other social program goes away. So there is no Medicaid, and there is no Section 8 housing, and there is no food stamps. There is no WIC for um, childhood nutrition. Uh, there is no, uh, I guess that's SNAP benefits, uh, TANF, a temporary assistance for needy families. You take away every other program, and you're saying you're basically replacing it with this. That $12,000 a year in benefits is about what you might get if you were getting Section 8 housing and you were on food stamps. And the, it's, it's more spending, to be clear. When If you gave everyone in the country $1,000 a month, it would be about $1.8 And if you take Medicaid... Medicare and all the other social programs, it's only like a $1.5 trillion. So you are spending some more money by instituting this, this policy. But you start to get to some ideas here of, well, what, what would that do socially? That you do actually eliminate the, that person in life that is constantly hitting up their, per, their family for money because they're spending all their money on terrible, stupid things. And you have those really compassionate family members who just keep giving them money because they, they, they seem so pitiful. But now you actually know, well, we know the government's giving you a grand a month. What are you doing with it? And so you start creating social capital for people to, to, to help one another in life. 
Maybe what you do there is these families that have two parents working and mom just wants to take three years and just stay home with the kid that they just had, well, that $12,000 a year actually helps them do it. I'm not telling you I'm for it, but I found the case when it became, if we're going to have a welfare state, if we're going to be spending all this money on handouts, what, is this a better way to do handouts? Is it a better way just to have one big universal handout for everybody or to continue having the handouts the way that we do targeted to lower-income folks? You, know, you even think through some of the things that we do there. They're so perverse in their... Uh, in, in, and the incentives they offer. You know, one of the things that happens with people on, uh, on food stamps is they are disincentivized of working even more than they are because if they get to a certain income level, then those benefits drop off. Like we, I think we could agree, even if you're super pro, like you're a socialist, like you're, you're Bernie Sanders, I think even you would say, well, yeah, our system's not efficient. The way that we do social services is a really inefficient way. If we're going to be giving money away, because I would be for abolishing basically all social programs, but if we're going to give them out, it made me wonder, is this a more just, equitable, and efficient way to do it? Eliminate the alphabet soup of programs, and every adult in the country gets $1,000 a month. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I would love to hear your feedback. If we have to have a social, net, a social safety net, is this a better one? Is this universal, a universal basic income idea a better one than we currently have? I see some other challenges. You know, I don't like the idea of a household with husband, wife, two kids, and the joint income is 175 grand. I don't like giving them a grand, 12 more grand. Actually, with two adults in the house, that's 24 more grand a year. I don't like that idea. I don't like the idea of government giveaways generally. But this was such a creative idea to me that I. I'm, wo- I'm willing to explore it, and I would love to hear your feedback. Here's all the ways in which you can do that. CoreyTruactShow at gmail.com. CoreyTruactShow at gmail.com. What are your thoughts on universal basic income? You can also leave that in audio form at anchor.fm or on the Anchor app. On your smartphone, you can download the Anchor app, call in, and let me know what you think about universal basic income. Also find me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, and let me know your thoughts on the idea of replacing our current social safety net with a universal basic income. When we come back, I got a text from somebody with uh, with a political point I wanted to respond to, and then also just a lot of other interesting stories out in the tech world that we will get to when you come back for the rest of the Corey Act Show. Welcome back to the Corey Act Show. I am glad you are here. I would love it if you would connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I'm not exactly lonely out there on social media, but your uh, presence would be highly regarded and highly appreciated if you would connect on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I'm not telling you I'm sad. I'm a happy person without you connecting. You would would add to my joy and my sadness by doing that, though. Excuse me. You would add to my joy, not my sadness, if you connected. And then also, if you would be so kind to share the show with others, you can do that on your own Facebook and Twitter. Maybe tell someone who works in the cubicle across from you, hey, you want to hear a guy talk about somewhat interesting things way too quickly? You should listen to this podcast. That's how I would advertise my podcast. I like to say that we are dedicated to smarter, deeper, better talk about everything, but we're probably also dedicated to smarter, deeper, better, faster talk 
about everything. And if it, there's a show, if there's a show uh, that I've done that's about everything, boy, it's today. We just did Universal Basic Income, and now moving on to this, a good friend Glenn sent me a tweet from Pub, uh, Public Citizen, which is out on Twitter. They're a, they're a left-wing group, and they try to make a political point here that I want to respond to. They say in their tweet, universal health care could never work. So they're quoting people like me that uni- I, I would say universal health care could never work. That's It's an impractical idea. I would also, again, call it an immoral idea because... Even though Bernie Sanders says it's a human right. He doesn't say human. He says it's a human right. Of course, it's not a human right. It's not even a human right because someone else's labor can't be your right. That's called slavery. We ended that through a war. But public citizen tweets, universal health care could never work unless you live in, and he quotes here the list, Australia, Austria, Belgium, Canada, Chile, Czech Republic, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Greece, Hungary. It's a long list that ends with South Korea, Spain, and Sweden. By the way, South Korea does not have universal health care. Uh, they basically have Obamacare. They have a requirement that everyone go out and buy their um, and buy health insurance, and you're penalized if you don't. You can also get help if certain income levels are so low. You can get help paying for it. But they have, by no stretch, can you call that socialized medicine. How I would respond to this tweet, and this what I consider to be a really immature argument. This this is Bernie Sanders' argument. Uh, you know, we, we're the only civilized nation, the only civilized nation without universal health care. All right, this is literally going back to our moms when all the other kids are going to a party and mom says, if everybody was jumping off a bridge, would you do it too? The idea that everyone else is doing it is not a reason to do something. And even with the idea of justification of can it happen, so they say universal health care could never work unless you're in one of these countries. Well, what I would argue to public citizen here and to those that make this argument is what's the definition of work? What does it mean for universal health care to work? I could take you on this list to Denmark, Finland. Let me pick out some of these that I know have ridiculously high taxes. Uh, Denmark, Finland. Germany's taxes are okay. Hungary's taxes are okay. Iceland's taxes are nuts. Um, so in, you know, Japan's not crazy. Italy's not crazy. Uh, Netherlands. Netherlands has crazy taxes. And Norway. Let's just take those. So you tell me, well, universal health care is working in Denmark, Finland, Netherlands, and Norway. Uh, okay, sure. If work means if you're at the average income level, the average income level in the country, you're paying more than half your income in taxes. That's a fact. You can fact check me on that. If you are at the average income level, you are paying more than 50% of your earnings earnings to the government. Now, yeah, you go to college for, quote, free. And yeah, you, quote, get your health care for free. Yeah, at the cost of more than half your income. Is that work? Does that work? Is that the definition of work? That you're, you're losing more than half your income and then you don't have to pay for health care? I, I would include in just those countries. The average American lives in something like... I think it's per member of the household. Oh, I don't remember that study. I should not quote studies I don't remember. The one I do remember is that the average house in America is over 2,000 square feet. The average dwelling place, apartment, or house in the Scandinavian countries is less than, it's less than 900 square feet. The average person in those countries doesn't have air conditioning. The average person has a car but only one. 
I mean, is that what work means? You know, all these countries have universal health care. Yeah, that's fine. And also, they don't get to keep half their money. And also, they don't live in, they don't get to live in as cool places as we do. And also, they don't have, average person doesn't have health, uh, doesn't have air conditioning. The average person in those countries doesn't have their own washer and dryer. They use, uh, they use their own, excuse me, they use, uh, what's the, what are those called? Like community areas, laundromat things. So th- there is this, there's this idea, I think, that the left puts out about universal health care that those other countries have all the same standard of living we do and universal health care. That's not true. And so if you ask me, do you want, quote, free health care, you don't want to pay at the point of service, but the cost, is, this is the thing we do. It is a, it's a really immature thing that Americans do. We don't do both sides of the equation. If you want something... It costs something. And what those countries are, what it's costing them, is paying insane amount of taxes. I'd also ask the definition of work in this way. You're telling me that the public citizen is tweeting here that healthcare works in those places. Well, tell me the last time one of them came up with a world-changing medicine. You getting that from South Korea? Let me, tell me the last time Germany created a medicine that's changing the world. The last time Australia developed a piece of medical technology, surgical tech, that's changing the world. You know who creates that stuff? We do. We do that in America. And we pay a premium for it. And really the only other country that does it really regularly is Israel. There's a lot of incredible medical research that comes out of Israel. And so you say, public citizen here, that the left says it works in other countries. Does it? They're using all the medicines we came up with. They're using all the medicines and the medical equipment and the surgical tech that we came up with. This is just a thing for all of us to, and for Bernie Sanders types to accept. Yeah, I guess, fine. If you want to try to do universal health care for these 300 million, not even again accounting that all these other countries are more sparsely populated than we are or much more homogenous than we are, just be honest, as Bernie Sanders was here recently, you're going to have to pay not a little more, you're going to have to pay a lot more in taxes. I am unwilling to make that trade. And so for that argument uh, that it was kindly tweeted or uh, texted me from Twitter, actually, guys, I would really appreciate that. That'd be the best. When you see stuff on Twitter that you think, hey, something's wrong there, you should just send it to me and let me respond to it on the air. I'd be glad to do it. All right, next. This, I think, is the most interesting story of the last few weeks to me. I read it, I think, the day after July 4th, so the uh, after Independence Day, Forbes put out a story where the headline was Judgment Day Looms for Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. This connects back to our first story, right? We were talking about universal basic income, and that primarily comes out of Silicon Valley. Well, here here are the kings of Silicon Valley, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google, and they're saying that a Judgment Day is coming for them. Just want to give you some of the facts and something that we need to start thinking through. I think, yeah, let's let's do some prognostication here. Uh, and if I end up being wrong on this, you can treat me like a false prophet, burn me at the stake or whatever, and say I got it all wrong. But I think we're at a spot with those companies in particular, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. I think we're at the spot that Microsoft was in the, was that the mid to late 90s? And I was born in 86, so my... My memory is not totally sharp, but I do recall 
the the talks about Microsoft being a monopoly and needing to break it up. And then just from my economic history that I've done my own reading, this also happened with the Ma Bell company, the phone company. It got split up into Southern Bell and to other various Bell companies. I think there are some regulators and some voices in Congress that are ready to start treating Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google as monopolies, as having such market share and market domination that they want them getting split up. If you, My audience tends a little younger than the typical talk radio listener. Typical talk radio listener is male, white, 60, and older. That's the typical talk radio listener, and I have plenty of those, and I'm grateful for you gentlemen. Usually, and there's some ladies that listen in that age group as well, but my, my audience tends a little younger, and so let me make sure you know what we're talking about. Like, this is an actual thing that happened to Microsoft and to Ma Bell. That the federal government comes along with something called antitrust laws, anti-monopoly laws. It says the way that you exist right now, you can't keep existing. You have, you've, you're going to hurt the economy because there's no competition for you. You have so dominated that now you're going to be the only, you're going to be the only person in the marketplace with your products. That you're going to be able to jack up prices, or you're 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 going to dominate in a way that hurts the market overall. So the government's getting involved. That's a thing that's already happened, and now there are voices saying the same thing about Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. So, a couple of quick thoughts on all those. First, on Google, if you didn't notice, a year and a half ago, they actually started a new company called Alphabet. They saw what was coming. They saw that the regulators and folks in Congress were getting close to regulating them or trying to break them up. And so they started trying to restructure in a way that would that would almost break them up without Congress doing it. Like they're trying to find a way to break themselves up in the way that's most financially advantageous. But the Wall Street Journal, I, I read from the story in Forbes, recently had a quote from someone in one of the F uh, financial, uh, the FEC. I can't think of their, but I can't think of their name right now. But the government body that would oversee anti-monopoly regulations. He was quoted saying that Google's restructuring has been outmoded for years and it's, that it's not going to work. That Google's become such a powerhouse that you, you do need to break up its different sectors because it does have a bunch. I mean, consider what Google does. It's the king of search, but it's also the king of online advertising. So it's the data king. It's the advertising king. It's become the email king through Gmail. And then it's now competing hardcore with Microsoft to be uh, with the Google suite of, of software with its own word processor, its own version of Excel and presentation software and Google Drive for businesses across the country to use, Go to use Google instead. It has its hardware section where it was doing, I think they did Oculus, I think that was them, uh, and their own virtual reality they're working on. Google's also working on autonomous cars. Like, there's a lot Google is doing. Then you go to Facebook. It got a lot of attention already because of their privacy concerns and because it seems like they aren't policing closely enough who's advertising, especially on political stuff. You know, I forgot to mention with Amazon, they also have, because I used to use it, uh, Amazon Amazon Web Services. Oh, I didn't mention, I didn't get to Amazon yet. I was on Google. So, but Google's doing this too. Google is competing in the cloud space. That's going to be the next, I think, big war technologically is 
is where we hold our data and what companies are going to be the holders of data. Because even the banks out there are now turning to places like Amazon and Google on who is going to hold all this digitized money and how are we going to protect it. So, uh, and then Google has all the, by the way, they also have YouTube. I don't think a lot of people know that. Google owns YouTube as well. Like, they're this giant, multi-billion, soon-to-be trillion-dollar company. They do all that stuff and they kind of dominate. They also dominate retail. Walmart is the only thing close to Amazon. And they really dominate the the space of folks who still go to stores, not ordering online. All right, so Google, Amazon, Facebook has their issues with privacy. And then you have Apple, which is having its own problems. I mean, I'm recording when I am the show. Their their stock is down like 4% since, I guess that's mid-March. Yeah, I might be overplaying a little bit, maybe 3%. Apple's having its own troubles because it's out of ideas. After Steve Jobs, uh, after Steve Jobs died, I mean, they basically have the iPhone. They just keep re- releasing new ones by making the camera better. Nothing else really happens. It gets slightly faster. The camera gets a little bit more clarity. And so th- they're they're ripe for maybe some trouble. But at the same time, they're being thought of as monopolistic and anti-competitive because most of the stuff on your phone comes through the the uh, the Apple uh, App Store, and they get to pick winners and uh, winners and choosers, uh, winners and losers in their own app store on which ones when you search for a certain item and what comes up. So there's a lot of attention heading their way, and it's something that we probably need to start thinking about now and have an informed opinion on. I don't doubt that within the next two years there will be a major congressional hearing on whether or not we should break up Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google into separate companies. I tend against it because I, I think the four of them, while they are so large, they have become too big to fail, as we've said. Uh, we said back in 2008 with some of the banks and financial institutions. They all still do compete with each other. Uh, Facebook doesn't really have a competitor in the social media space, but Facebook is, through Facebook Marketplace, having peer-to-peer selling is doing its own competition for a place like Amazon to peer-to-peer selling on on their uh, their platform. Amazon Music and Google Play is competing with Apple on things like Apple Music or Apple Podcasts. Like they're all competing with each other, and there's there's other players in each one of the the subspaces there to not call them monopolies. Uh, but we have this this American history where I'll say it this way: I have found in my political years that Every ideology has its own phobia of a big. So if you're on the right, like me, your phobia is a big government because that, that that's where the power gets held. You you're skeptical and you're a little have a little bit of phobia around big government. But if you're on the left, there is there's a lot of phobia and a lot of skepticism around big business or big pharmaceutical or big oil. And now with these companies, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google especially because of the data they collected. And we, we weren't really paying attention to that until the last maybe five years, that Amazon just knows so much about you. Apple knows so much about you. If you've got an iPhone on you right now and you haven't taken proactive steps to turn off your location services, Apple can sell to advertisers where you go. They can geolocate you. 
Facebook knows so much about us, and so does Google. I mean, Google knows more about us all than any of us when it comes to just information. There's a chance here that they are going to create for themselves their own problem where people are very skeptical of them. Where right and left come together in a skepticism and a phobia of how big and powerful they are. And government has every, especially politicians, man, they um they have reason to try to use their leverage to get these big companies to do things for them. Like it, it could just become a big, big disaster. So let me just say it this way. I'm going to put that on my Facebook page, the Corey Truax Facebook fan page. I'd love for you to go read that story and start thinking through, do you think places like Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google should be broken up? This is another place, just like with last segment, I want to hear your thoughts on the universal basic income. I don't know what I think yet, and I would love any of your opinions on whether or not the government should be getting involved in trying to split up those companies. Another uh, reminder, you can... Send me those thoughts at CoreyTruaxShow at gmail.com, CoreyTruaxShow at gmail.com, or you can get me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Just find me, Corey Truax, and let me know what you think. When we come back, I have some political thoughts and several other things I want to try to get to, include, including this very stupid controversy around Ariel, the Little Mermaid, and also the Betsy Ross shoe and Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick. We'll do that when we come back for the rest of the Corey Truax Show. I'm going to have to have an exercise in discernment here because I've got like eight more stories in maybe ten minutes. So we're, let's pick the ones that are most important to you and will be the most fun to finish off the Corey Truax show before we move on to sports starting here. Let's do the aerial thing. If you didn't see the stupidity that has uh, peak stupidity in America, that Disney is going to remake Little Mermaid and they're going to do it with a black Ariel. That instead of having a white girl with red hair as the character of the fake mermaid, they're going to have that character look like a black mermaid, the human part of her. I have thoughts that... This happens to me all the time. I have thoughts to make everyone mad. No, All of you will hate me by the, next, the end of these next two minutes. I have some friends who made the point to go out on social media and say, if this upsets you, then you're a, you're, you're a moron for being upset with these things. Get over to such a stupid thing. The friends of mine that said that, those voices, they're right. Anyone who's upset by Ariel being recast, this fake mermaid that was never played by a human in the first place, if you're a person who's upset by that character being drawn darker, you're crazy. Do something better with your life. At the same time, to those friends and to those on the political left who seemed like they, that they were upset that people were upset, let me say, I traffic in conservative circles. I know conservatives. I know people who think they're conservatives, but they're not. Like they're really Trump people. I know very patriotic people. They're not really conservative. They don't, they're not ideologically conservative. They're patriots is how they think of themselves. And they really love their country, but they're not ideologically conservative. I know that entire spectrum. I know literally no one who's upset by this. Like, nobody cares. It is as if Disney says, hey, we're going to put out a black aerial. 
for Little Mermaid, and the whole world went, oh, okay. And then some left-wingers went, why are you conservatives so mad? And conservatives said, we're um, we're not. We just said, okay, it's, it's fine. And the left says back, why are you being so racisty racist? And the conservatives say back, we, we don't actually care. And the left screams back how racist they're being. Like, no one actually cares about this. It's a dumb controversy, and it's not even a controversy. Another controversy from last week was the Colin Kaepernick thing. That is clarifying and instructive. Facts of the case are these. Nike was going to release a tennis shoe that featured the early American flag by Betsy Ross. Only 13 stars on it. It was going to be a thing for Independence Week, Independence Day, July 4th, all that. They, they reportedly decided not to release that shoe because Colin Kaepernick was upset by it, and Colin Kaepernick works for Nike. He is an endorser of Nike, and they pay him to wear their stuff. This is a, there's so much stupidity all the way around. Let me count the ways. One, Colin Kaepernick says that that flag, the Betsy Ross flag, is a symbol of slavery, and therefore he's offended by it. All right, if that's the case, a couple things are true. If that's the case, most flags are symbols of slavery. Slavery was a international institution, an immoral international institution, and basically every country had slavery, so all flags are slavery flags. Let's be clear about that. That's one. Two, the people that get to... I don't understand why people think they get to decide what the flag is for. Like, the people who were offended by Colin Kaepernick kneeling during the National Anthem, they were like, you're disrespecting our military. Wait, What? How is the flag for the military? It's only theirs? Like, why do you get to say what the flag is for? Those folks who hated Kaepernick and Kaepernick, you don't get to decide what the flag is for. It stands for all of us. That's what a flag is a symbol of. We all care too much about symbols anyway. So the Betsy Ross flag is not racist. Number two, Colin Kaepernick is dumb. He's a moron. He doesn't know things. You know, I, I was very sympathetic and still am to his cause for kneeling. He said, it took a while to figure it out, but he said he was kneeling during the National Anthem to protest police brutality and racial inequality, in which I would actually agree with Colin Kaepernick. We have a major racial inequality problem, especially when it comes to how white people and black people deal with police. He's right about that. But I then said at the time, what a weird way to protest. You're kneeling during the anthem over that? That, like, how, how are those two things connected? How is the national anthem connected to police brutality? And the answer is they're not. Colin Kaepernick's just dumb. He's just a dumb person. He doesn't know stuff. Another reason I know that the, the Betsy Ross flag is not racist, people were putting out on Twitter a good point. It was up on the podium when Barack Obama was giving his second inaugural address. And so if you're, unless you're ready to say Barack Obama's a nut job racist, it's obviously not a racist symbol. Barack Obama had it on the stage. Come on, man. This is a, this is a guy, Colin Kaepernick is again, he's just a dumb guy who doesn't know things, who is trying to find meaning in his life through activism. When he did not have the meaning of his life through being a popular athlete, he tried to find it in a different way, and it, it just didn't work out for him. I have a lot more I wanted to do on the show today, but we're running dangerously out of time, so uh, I could probably do one more thing. So here you go. Um, It goes directly to a New York Times story that 
was cri- criticizing the president for using uh, for criticizing Barack Obama still that Barack Obama is still being criticized by President Trump even though P- President Trump has been in the office for years now and they were criticizing him for still bringing up Obama. I had a couple thoughts on that. I'm not a defender of President Trump, but I would remind the New York Times that Barack Obama was blaming things on President Bush to this day. If you ask Barack Obama today if there was any bad part of his administration, he'll say it was George W. Bush's fault. That was like his thing. He just he just attacked Bush like crazy. He dumped all over Bush all the time. That's one. Number two, again, I'm not a fan of the President of the United States. I'm not a defender of... I, I don't want to defend Barack Obama or President Trump. But where the those attacks are true, you can't argue the results when it comes to unemployment rate and GDP growth and when it, when it comes to economic success. These last three years are better than any three-year period of the Obama administration. This is not arguable. Those are just the facts of the case and the facts on the ground. And so we're, this is how I felt during the campaign when uh, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were running against each other. They would debate, and Hillary Clinton would say something bad about Donald Trump, and I'd be like, yep, she's right. And then Donald Trump would say something bad about Hillary Clinton. I'm like, yeah, he's right too. And so now we're in a situation where Donald Trump says something about Barack Obama, and it's like, yeah, well, he's right. That was a terrible eight years. You might have liked him personally, but this is not arguable that on policy, that was a garbage eight years for the United States of America. People just liked him personally for whatever dumb reason. All right, connect to the show on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Share it wherever you can if you would be so kind. It's been a long time since we had a sports segment. Heath is back this week, and we are moving on to sports right now. Are you ready? Back for the sports segment in a very exciting time, surprisingly, in the summer. His name is Heath Powell. Hi there, sir. Hello. The NBA has been remade. Yeah, this is this is going to be fun. Let me start with just this one. The reigning NBA champion Toronto Raptors are probably I don't even know they're going to make the playoffs. I don't either. They were all the, it was totally dependent on Kawhi and he went back home like he was going to and we all knew he was. You see, he's from the West Coast, right? Yeah, he went to San Diego State. So following Kawhi, he also record he also recruited another great forward out of Oklahoma City, Paul George. Yep. Then in L, I'm gonna ask it this way: the LA Lakers do have the best roster in the league now, right? I think they do. It's LeBron, LeBron, Anthony Davis. Thank you, Kirk. And then they, they got Demarcus Cousins. Yeah, they got they just signed Demarcus Cousins. And then they, they get Danny Green, Quinn Cook, Danny Green. Yes. Yeah. They have the best roster, but personally, I think LeBron is bad for a culture because he tries to coach and be a he's, a he's a GM, a coach. Number one player, blah, blah, blah. So I think they'll be good because of the, all that talent, but I wouldn't pick them right now. I'm not going to pick them. No. This is super fun. You know who I'm going to pick? The Bucks. No, the Nets. With Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, because they already had a good base of role players. Yeah. And they brought every the, – the way their GM should get GM of the year, they didn't give away the house like the Lakers did. They didn't give away the future yeah. like the Lakers and the Clippers did. Um, I think they're going to be really good. Oh, I think they could. It's them or the Bucks in the East. I, I can't think the Phillies would make a run at them. Not, uh, no, no, not the, the 76ers. I'm sorry, yeah. 76ers. I'm talking baseball. No. It's only the Bucks. It's Giannis versus Kevin Durant. I'll tell you right now, I'm picking the Nets to win the championship. Going all the way to the finals. All the way to the finals. They could, the, what the Nets had to give up, if you don't know, if you're out there listening, Kevin Durant, two-time final MVP. Yep. And a league MVP. And a league MVP. 
it left the Warriors to go to Brooklyn. Yep. To go play with Kyrie Irving. To get to get him, they had to give up D'Angelo Russell. Yep. The great All Star guard who's now with the Warriors. With the Warriors. Now I know Kevin Durant's gonna be out for a while, and this is all dependent on him coming back, being at full strength. It's a long, blah, it's blah, a long blah. season. It's a long season. With D'Angelo Russell now there with the Warriors. Yep. I think they probably still have the third or fourth best roster with Steph at the point. You put Russell at the two. Clay Thompson plays the three now. Yeah, I'm telling you, I don't know that the Warriors will fall off that much. They were dominant before KD got there. They were. And they had role players, well, you know. They're the only one of – I feel like eight. there's eight different teams who could win the, win the title this If they're going to let Steph be a true number two shooting guard and mm-hmm. not bring the ball up, I know he doesn't bring it up a lot, but with D'Angelo Russell there? Oh, boy. Just a driving dish? There is – they feel like they're the Warriors are the only team of these new great teams – that is a true system team, right? Not out, just out talent you, right? I think everyone else is trying to out talent you, and D'Angelo Russell fits into that system quite nicely. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be exciting to watch. The um, you know the guy that because uh, they lost Iguodala as well, right? I okay. wish they wouldn't have traded him. Yeah, he saw Memphis Grizzly. I think so. Yeah. That's where he went. The guy that has to now step up. I love that Jerebko guy mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Yeah, he can be the new Iggy on offense. He could be. He can't defend like. Iguodala That's did. the thing about Iggy. He's such a good defender. Sure is. Now, Clay Thompson's an all-world defender as well. Sure. Draymond plays a good defense. Um, the Warriors still have their core, though. Yeah. I, I I include Iggy in that, too, but I think he is getting older. He's, he's going to be 36 when the right. season starts, so he might not be as good a defender. Right. So, this league that's been made of super teams since the Miami Heat. Yep. There's not one now, right? No, there's the Lakers tried to build a super team with Carl Malone, Gary Payton. It didn't work out well. No. You know, they had Shaq and Kobe. Lost to the Pistons? Yeah, they did. That was the Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, uh, Richard, Richard Hamilton. Hamilton. Chauncey Billups? Um, Chauncey Billups. Was Tayshaun Prince? Tayshaun that Prince. That was, a, that was fun, man. That was a good team, man. That was great. They beat that all-star Laker team. Right. And since that time, it's there's always been going into the season a super team. I don't know who the best team is right now. What I like about this NBA now is they're – Two, pretty much two superstars on every team. There's not yes. three, four, five that all decide to play together. Like Kawhi made his own decision. And, hey, Paul, you want to come play with me? And yeah, sure. But the rumor is that Russell Westbrook and his agent are trying to get a trade out of Oklahoma City. I wonder to where. I don't know. Because that still leaves Houston. Still has the league's maybe second best scorer in James Harden. Yep. Chris Paul's still there. Great shooters all all the way around. I, f- I feel like Kimba Walker. Was heading. Uh, oh, Kimball went up to the Celtics. Yeah, he left Charlotte to. Uh, and he's a he's a great player. The Celtics have a good core around. Yeah, Kimball averages coach. like twenty six points a game, but he's yeah. stuck in the black hole. The Charlotte nobody pays attention to. I hate that for him. I do too. And I hate that for that team. The Charlotte Hornets. I do. Man. Should have more love. They should. I, I, I feel like the NBA just made a move to be more like the NFL. Yeah. It's. Yeah, it's you, just going you to be spread out the superstars. Yes. So that it's not going into the season knowing exactly who is going to be awesome. Yeah, for the past four or five years, you pretty much bet on the Warriors. To yeah. Win. Now, they lost to Cleveland. They lost to Toronto. But, I mean, the Toronto is kind of a asterisk. That's an asterisk because, I mean, Clay and KD go down with season-ending injuries. In game four of the finals, the second best score on the floor for the Warriors was Quentin Cook. Right. They didn't. They played that game without Clay, KD, or De- DeMarcus Cousins. And DeMarcus Cousins only played 12 minutes that That's game. That's right. He I was mean, pretty much a non-factor. And so you, they box in one Steph. Yeah. You put an asterisk on this, this Now, that loss. was a great coaching change by, by the Raptors, the sure. box in one, because you don't see that very often. Not in the NBA. But now this 
league, I'm looking around it. I see the Warriors are still going to be solid. The Lakers just built the closest thing to a super team. The Clippers have really just two pieces. Yep. Brooklyn has a better base. Miami just did okay by getting Jimmy Butler. They did. The uh, the the Sixers are still going to have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. The Bucks are just as going to be are going to be just as good. Yep. There's like eight. I mean that. There's Here's eight the, teams who could win. There are eight teams that are that are going to be really good. Now the thing about building a super team is you don't know how they're going to mesh. You don't know how they're going to play together. You just don't until you see them on the floor. Um, it's an 82 game season. When would you be willing to make the judgment that team is mesh? That team's going to mesh better. How many games in the season do you need to make that judgment? I think once 40 games are in, half, you can half tell by half the season. I agree. If they're you know, going to turn it on or not. Does this also feel, it feels like to me, this is a season where there's going to be a right before the trade deadline blockbuster? Oh, yeah. Someone knows we're just a step behind. Okay, we know we're, we're this one piece away. Let's yes. go get this, whoever it is, whatever position it is, and then I think they'll make a run. That's And I could see a, a team like a Brooklyn doing that or the Clippers doing that where they know we're just one step behind. Because going into the season, Durant's better than – uh, Giannis and Kyrie is better than the other guy I'm thinking of from the Bucks, but the Bucks have now been together for like two or three seasons. Yeah, I love that. How that they have chemistry. They yeah, sure I do. love the Bucks. I can yep. see the Nets making that one more move. Give me one more star. Yep. to put us over the top. I just, man, I just mean I love competitive basketball. I do too. It, it's never fun when there's two dominant teams and everybody else knows they don't have a chance. Uh, I think the parity is going to be great. Out in the West real quick. I'm going to make a bold statement. Maybe it's not as bold. I still, I think the number one team finishing out there is probably still going to be the Warriors. I'm going to go Clippers, Rockets. I think the Lakers finish fourth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. You can see that too? Yep. Because I think, I, I don't want to talk too bad about him. I think LeBron hurts organizations. I think LeBron hurts the culture of the teams that he builds, and that's what he does. He builds his own teams. There's going to be awesome players out there. But that's all. Yep. Great players, not great teams. Right. That's what, ha- what happens with him. Basketball right. is still a team sport no matter what sports center shows. Well, LeBron tried to do that in Miami, and he lost to Dallas and San Antonio, yep. teams that weren't made of stars. Right. That went out and did the system yep. thing. Basketball still a team sport. All right. We're going to finish up with talking sports. We'll start doing football. We're 50-something days yes. out from football now, so, <laughs> it's, so we need to get back to it. Thanks for coming in and doing sports. I appreciate it. We'll be back with another new edition of the show next week. Until then, peace and love.